Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain, the talk show for late-identified autistic ADHDers. Today, I'm joined by one of my dearest friends, Lara Van Dyke. She is from the Netherlands. She has the account on Instagram, Autistic Lottie. She and I do fun things together. We talk about all things burnout, autistic life, and being moms, being late-identified. And she's joining us today for a very powerful conversation something that we all face in late identified life in that early period of processing, we're talking about regret. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Carol Jean, late identified autistic ADHD human and your host of the Mind Your Autistic Brain talk show and burnout restoration unveilers community. You're about to experience the new way to thrive as a neurodistinct brain and body by getting off the chronic cycle burnout loop for good. By unveiling your authentic self, defining what thriving feels like for you, knowing your burnout signpost, so those top 20 burnout warning signs are a thing of the past, and stepping into your best life as the creator and leader you are meant to be. Get ready, because this is where we go against the mainstream. Say no to outdated self-care tips, and we say yes to who we are in order to create an energized, authentic, peaceful, and harmonized world. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain. Welcome to the show, Laura. I am so excited you are here today. This is just, we have been leading up to this forever, it feels like. <laughs> Yeah, it took a long time. It took a long time, yeah. You know what? Sometimes the things we wait for are always best when they get there because we savor it. <laughs> and I'm savoring this. I'm so happy to be here with you uh, today, Carol Jean. I, I really look forward to our talk, too. So, yeah. Me too. You know, one of the things that you shared that just touched me so deeply was that when we did our advocate panel for the shine a light campaign in april you said i feel seen i'm me finally i'm me yeah and that's a long journey sometimes yeah it took a really really long time for me definitely because when you get diagnosed yeah okay you get your diagnosed but you know nothing and what people don't know especially if you don't have a diagnose yourself that um, okay, you have your diagnosis, but after that, then your journey starts because you have um, played a role in life that wasn't yours. You just took the role that, that was, well, in front of you, but it's not you. And then you have to find out who you are, what you like. I didn't even know what kind of clothes I liked for myself because I was like, oh, they like that. So yeah, let's buy that. But that was not what I liked so it, it took such a long time to discover what was mine and what was actually not and it was a lot <laughs> there was nothing like mine only my taste of music and and there it stopped so to rediscover or unveil as you as you call it yourself that that is such a long process and I think maybe if you have a early diagnosis that's much easier uh, to grow into but if you're a, a late diagnosed that's such a a tough, a tough one, a really tough one. Yeah, it can be. And like you said, you know, just getting your identification is just simply the first step. 
back to you or to you for the first time. Um, I discovered for myself, because I thought, oh, it's going to be, you know, uncovering, um, unmasking, and I'll get to me, right? Like, I'll, I'll know me when I get there. But that wasn't the case. Um, what I also have discovered over the last eight years is that, yes, I was in here, but there was so much that I didn't have the opportunity to explore, to learn who I am along the way that just seemed to organically happen for other people. Like they, they allowed themselves to make mistakes. They allowed themselves to experience and ask themselves the question, like, what do you like to wear? What, what do you like to eat? What is your favorite color? Um, and for so many of us, we were sort of operating on that survival mode of trying to fit in to not be different or stand out. So we never asked ourselves, do I really like this? Is this really important to me or do I value this? So I, I love that that you're talking about this because one of the big questions that I had for you for us to talk about today was when you learned you were autistic and began looking back on your life because we all do that we stop and we're like oh my gosh now that I know I'm autistic I look back at my life the decades before this and I see everything in a new light yeah. it all is completely different than how I had seen it it's you know it's a whole like wow yeah, this is like a new perspective uh, at everything. Yep. So, Laura, with that lens, what do you wish you had done differently if you had known you were autistic? Well, <laughs> where to start? I think it's a lot of things, <laughs> but I will highlight some uh, points. First of all, I wished uh, after high school, I went to, um, well, to college. But I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I, I wish that I knew that day what I knew now, because I had no idea what I wanted to be. Uh, everybody in my class wanted to be a hairdresser. Well, I don't like that. Uh, I like to go, but I don't want to do it. So it was a real journey to uh, do something. And what I did is just copy paste what everybody else did and went to a school that I didn't like and didn't finish it like three times. And uh, so I wish that I knew what I wanted. But because you don't know who you are, you all, <laughs> of course don't know what you wanted because that's like an early sign. If you don't have no clue uh, which road to go. And, and now I'm talking like when I was 16. So that's <laughs> a lot of years back. I'm not gonna <laughs> tell my age now because then I feel really, really old. But the guidance wasn't there. Teachers didn't see you were like the quirky one or weird or old or just a busy bee or whatever. They they didn't notice it. And I, I just wish that I would be more with myself instead of copy paste everything around me to fit in and to have social uh, acceptable behavior because who discovered that? <laughs> what is social acceptable behavior? You know, that's you have to behave like this and you have to say this and you have to, yeah. The rules, you know, <laughs> I always had troubles with rules. <laughs> um, also, what I wish I knew, uh, I knew 
I, I wish that I knew what I know today, that life gives you struggles because uh, when you grow up, grow up in a safe environment, nobody tells you when you grow up, you have to get a job and that is hard. Then you have to work like 40 hours a week with a very tiny paycheck and you have to pay everything from it. So I wish that I knew that perspective so I was prepared. I wasn't prepared. I uh, was living on my own when I was 18. I was very young because I was a little rebellious and I just wanted to prove myself I can do this. But um, if I see my friends around me, they, they uh, save money and they get married uh, from their homes with their parents like when they were 25 and then they go live together. I just took the fast lane instead of uh, the escalator you know there was not not a good uh, choice but I learned so much from all the mistakes I made and um, another thing that I wish I knew is um, that if you keep going to not disappoint others you end up burned out because that's like the story of my life I always was a not a people pleaser but I just always did exactly what people told me to do and not like in a naive way but well that's a rule so I follow the rules more like that. There's oh, I mean that that is also very relatable. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I could have just written or said that myself. But ooh, I think so many people who are watching and listening today were probably nodding, going, "Yep, me too," or <laughs> had that same thought. But you know, that's also part of it. Part of the processing phase in yeah. our early identified life is reflecting back. It is looking at our whole life with this new lens that we are wired differently, that we perceive the world differently, that the way that we think, the process in how we don't filter and what we do filter that, that enters our, our brain, be it sensory or, or otherwise. I mean, we take in thousands of layers of information and where a neuromajority brain sorts them out and prioritizes them and gives you just sort of the highlight reel. We get the whole thing. We get the saga version. We don't get the highlight reel. So it's a lot of data to process. Yeah. So when yeah. we get that knowledge and we start to reflect back on our life, I, I, say, I say that we even experience sort of a grieving process where we reflect back and we have those regrets. We have those feelings of, I wish, or if I'd only known yeah. what I know now, then this would have been so much better, or I would have made a different choice, or I would have just known this was something different was possible. Yeah, um, I, yeah I do think also that your life would be less heavy because you carry a lot of burdens that you give yourself. Because Ooh, that. That's so true. I was, I was burden laden with lots of heavy responsibility that I took on that wasn't mine, that wasn't necessary. That's a good one, Laura. I think the other thing is we also and some people get here faster than others in this particular processing phase of late identification and it, okay, I have now what if, coulda, woulda, shoulda, myself into, you know, three boxes of Kleenex and 
misery and then you get mad about it that's another phase that you get definitely the mad phase <laughs> you get mad you get mad as, as we say in the deep south as a wet hen wet chicken <laughs> <laughs> and you do and then you're like why did this happen why didn't people know why didn't somebody figure this out before now right yeah. And that's part of it. But then you reach this place where you realize that you can should yourself to death. You can what if it, you can coulda, woulda, shoulda, you can be mad. But is that going to serve you? No. No. So then you reach this place where you say, okay. I'm autistic. This is, this is me. This is why life has been so hard to this point. Now what? And you can usually come across a post where somebody says, you got to unmask. And I say, sure, I mask. But I did it to the professional level. I didn't just mask. <laughs> I camouflage. <laughs> I <Yeah>. was pro level. <laughs> because nobody saw it with you. That's why it took so long. Exactly. Because the journey to that is so weird because I still can't figure out why it takes such a long time to uh, discover autism or ADHD in women or little girls because they always say, oh, little girls, no, they're always screaming and shouting and running. And for a boy, he has ADHD. And I'm like, but a girl can have that too. You know, it's like a weird thing. It's like really stigmatic thinking from the early ages of 1940 or something. I don't know, but it's dated. And um, of course, there's like a period uh, when when all teachers say, oh, your child is so uh, busy, baby. he must be HDHD. And that one has a two and that one has a two. And don't want all those three together at one uh, roundabout in the t or a table. How do you call it uh, at a school? Mm -hmm. and yeah, the little group. I'm like, yeah, maybe the teacher should be more aware that there's so much more diversity and knowledge about it now than it was in the early days. Because when I was eight, <laughs> I was a busy bee that climbed every tree and my son is the, was the same, but with him, they saw it immediately. And that's that's really weird because if it would be a girl they would say, oh, it's a toy boy, or she just uh, is shy or introvert or whatever. It's kind of uh, a weird way to look at it. It is. And you know, I'm ADHD and I'm the combined type. Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting because when you also bring in that layer of my autistic brain as well, there's this I need structure and routine, but I want the dopamine novelty hit of new things. <laughs> where do I, where do I find that happy medium? And that, that's been a big part of my journey the last couple of years is finding that. But Laura, I, I want to know, because I, I love that you and I have these conversations, because I love, I love how your brain works. And you just said <laughs> something that really sparked me. And that's our favorite word, ah, spark. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. That is, you know, in classrooms, teachers always put the one child that they quote unquote say is 
noisy or rowdy or disruptive and they put them with the quiet kids and they spread the, the active ones out all over the room so that they're not together, right? I think because as autistic ADHDers, as neurodistinct people, we have our own language and we have our own culture within our neurotypes. So we communicate really well one to another. I think, and I, I've been a teacher in a classroom and I, I thought I did this, I separated them because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Looking back on it now, I'm really curious. And I, I want like Meg Thompson or some of our teacher people out there. I want you guys to, to comment, chime in on this one because Laura and I are gonna, we're gonna have our own opinion on this. We're interested. <laughs> and I wanna know what Laura thinks about this because I'm curious. I think we ought to put them all together. Yeah, definitely. Because that brings up the good in, in each other. If you put a HDHD or uh, with acquired kids, it gets understimulated which will result in bad behavior or a silent behavior. And uh, um, they will not thrive anymore. They will go down, down, down and get depressed or sad or, well, not the behavior you want to accomplish. So it's like the opposite. If you uh, put your peers together, like we adults like to, I think you 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 have the best combination ever. Maybe for a teacher, it can be a challenge, but you have to find your way in it and just try, just try. And if you think like five of those crowded kids together is too much, then make two groups, one of three, one of two, whatever, but give them their pairs because they need that. They really need that in order to be happy and fun and they will probably be annoying too, but that every child will do that. Every child, not just an HDHD child, every child can be a really annoying. People can be annoying. Very much, very much. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. I can be annoying to myself. Too. Yeah, yeah, especially to myself every day, but well, I can live with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Laura, imagine for just a minute, you guys imagine with us for just a minute, if when you were in school, you were at a table of other people of your same neurotype, or you were in an entire classroom and a teacher of your same neurotype. Wow. Those kids would be so happy, trust me. Can you imagine? That would be like kind of heaven, because I think how how hard is it as an adult to find your peers, to find support groups, uh, because yeah, they are there, but just to get in, you have a waiting list or it's not available because it's too far away. And at school, you're so close by, just help them to get their peers and, and, and thrive and grow and uh, find their sparks and joy. And that's what they need because they're children. They need to have fun. They can work their whole life. So in school, they need to have fun and a good time that they look at their childhood back and think, ah, oh, I had such an amazing teacher at school. They get it. They let us be a child and have fun. And let us be us instead of, you know, little robots doing what the teacher says because mostly, um, 
I know it's the pressure because they're they're missing a lot of teachers right now, especially after Corona. And uh, I think, yeah, they should make the, the teachers um, have like an assistant in the class. So you have more the overview of the whole classroom and then kids have more freedom, I guess. So let's translate that up to us. Yeah, <laughs> do that. <laughs> I think you said something, and you know, we're talking about things that we wish we had done. If I look back on my life and I think about things that I wish I would have done, one of those things is I didn't play. I never let loose and just had fun when I was growing up. Did you? Yeah, I was super I, I, serious. I, I know I, I just get a bit quiet because I was thinking, what did I do? It's like a long time ago, but I used to, I like to play, but with myself, not with another child, but just with me in the, in the, where the dolls are, where the trains, whatever I'd like to paint, but not with the other children, just with me, myself and my little bubble, because they always interrupted me in my play. Yes. <laughs> and it was I so difficult. <laughs> I built an entire Barbie world in my closet. Wow. And I, I, I loved it. My grandmother had sewn all these beautiful handmade clothes. So I had like designer Barbie clothes. But I did. I was the same way. I would paint by myself. But it was like after eight hours of school with noise and all the people, I needed that quiet time to not listen to other noise. And I would spend hours in my room playing by myself. But, but I guess what I'm talking about, not so much just play like that, but I guess just being free. Like I always felt so constrained and like I was constantly monitoring my behavior, my speech, everything that I did. And I never relaxed, I guess is probably a better way to put it. What about you? Hey guys, I wanted to pop in for just a moment before we get back to the episode with Laura and just invite you. If you're an autistic advocate or if you're a self-advocate, I would love to invite you to participate in this year's Shine a Light Autistic Advocate campaign. Our topic this year is accessibility and accessibility in all variations and in different areas of our life, be that healthcare, education, um, public spaces, and so many more. There's a whole list. Um, at the end, you can watch a video or listen, if you're listening on the podcast, to what the Shine a Light campaign is, um, some different ways that you can participate and join in the event this year. This is my approach to Autism Acceptance Month in a way that shines a light on the incredible work that so many autistic advocates are doing. And I love to be able to share the things that you are doing in the world. So stick around to the very end and learn more about the Shine a Light campaign. The deadline for the to participate or to sell, tell me you want to participate in the live panel topic discussions uh, that will be hosted throughout April is this Friday, the 17th. Um, the deadline for everything else is March 24th. So you got a little time. There's just a couple of short questions just to fill out to say, hey, this is me. This is what I do. So I have sort of an idea on how to group people and and what you want to 
um, and how you'd like to participate because there's a couple different ways you can do that. So stick around to the end. Let's get back to the conversation with Laura. Yeah, I guess it's well the um, at the lowest class. Uh, how do, uh, this is kindergarten? The, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah here is a little different. Then I had just this amazing teacher. She was really, really great, and I could be myself. All went well until I go to the first grade. Then it didn't go so well anymore because I got. Uh, you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to sit still. I can't sit still. <laughs> I want to, but I can't. Just there was so much that I wanted to, and I wanted to listen, but I just couldn't. And I always got uh, like the punishment that you have to stand in the corner or in the hallway. Uh, well, I I think I spent more time there than in the classroom uh, actually. But that was because I never listened to what the teacher was telling. I just was doodling in my in my papers and yeah, drawing in my own world because, well, I didn't care. I can really, really learn really good. So that wasn't a problem. I just didn't want to listen. <laughs> There's, you know, I have my spiky ring from Kaiko that I roll on my hands when I talk. That's, this is, I just think this when you yeah, send it to me. <laughs> I'm stimming with my pen and I, tore up a lot of these things because I always do this thing because I lost my cube. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to mail you one of these. I think oh, you'll like it. Really cool one, yeah. It, it's called their ring spiky. It's from Kaiko Fidget. And um, Joe Seaman designed this um, specifically for people who self-harm. However, I don't self-harm, but as an ADHDer, and she sent me like a little gift basket because we're friends and she was like I'm gonna send you some fun stuff and she sent me one of these and I was like "Ooh, no I don't like the way that it was that's like pointy mm -mm. and one day I was sitting here at my desk and I had it sitting there because I was loving like the little bike chain oh, wheel yeah. and I've got this little cog and I love these because they're they're very um elegant they're not kid bright color or anything like that mm -hmm. they're just a little you know they've got lots of colors but they're just more refined they are more adult I guess um and I just started rolling it on my finger and I wasn't even paying attention I was just rolling it like this back and forth and all of a sudden I was like holy heck I have like zero lasered focus I was like <laughs> I was like whoa I didn't know that would happen I'm like where have you been all my life <laughs> it's the best medicine trust oh, me stimming is the best finding medicine finding your stem yeah I love that so Laura as we're talking about sort of the things that we wish we had done or the things that you know now that we know what we would have changed and we kind of get through the the sad the regret we get through the mad part. We reach this place. We're like, okay, now what? What do we do? You know, I'm going to take off a couple of the layers that I know are masking that just aren't me. It's what I've been doing just to quote unquote survive because that's kind of how we live and all the trauma that comes with that. And that's a lot of unpacking in itself. But getting to a place where you're just starting to explore and play and get curious and as I always say become the scientist in your own yeah. life what has become an important value or a way of being 
in your life today that by doing or being that way, it makes everything else easier or unnecessary? Um, well, I've learned a few things that got value, that didn't have value before, but that got value because I was, uh, I had two burnouts and the first one was one and a half years. And I thought, well, just go working and then it will be fine. Nine to five work and then uh, everything will uh, be good. But then I end up in burnout 2.0 and that took me five and a half years. And every time I thought, ah, I'm going to get out of it, I fell back because I didn't value myself. So what I've learned about that is that I have to put myself first. And of course, I want to be there for my son. And of course, I want to be um, visiting my mom, go to my boyfriend, go to school. But there are just days <laughs> that I have to put me first and then say, okay, guys, I'm not going to do anything today. I'm just going to do something that gives me something instead of cost me something. And that's my second value. Um, reconsider what does it bring you and what does it cost, especially energy-wise. I, I love my sister, but I hate birthdays. So I'm not going to go to her birthday or her child's birthday if there come a lot of people. And she know that and she respect that. And I just come another day because I just... I love my nephew, but I don't like screaming kids and I don't like balloons popping and all the unexpected movement around me, the kids that are jumping or adults that are drinking or stuff like that. I just want to be at peace <laughs> and not there. <laughs> and the last thing that I value very much, and I never thought I would say that, say no, just say no. Why say yes if you feel no? And I think if you uh, reconsider this, what kind of advice would you give the one you're talking to? What would you say to the person in front of you? Then give yourself that advice. And mostly it's just say no. If you don't want something, say no, whatever it is. So, well... I think those are my three most important values that I've learned from my burnout. And I'm, I'm never going to throw them away. They're keeping on my list and they will be forever there. Oh, Laura, that is so beautiful. And that's so powerful. Because we don't get to those values without some things that went wrong. And then we were a lot of on a lot of things went wrong. That we take time to reflect, to look back. And it's pattern seakers and recognizers. This is where we really shine, folks. So in your yes. late identified journey, this is serving you. <laughs> but taking that time to look back and reflect. Because the things that we regret or the things that we wish we had had or we wish had happened. It's an uncomfortable, it's kind of, it's a bad feeling. It's not, a, it doesn't feel good, Ooh, but it's a feeling, yeah. right. But it's a feeling that's necessary yeah. because it causes us, if we are intentional to pause, to reflect, to get granular and look at the why, 
and ask ourselves not a ton of questions because we can ask a million questions and that doesn't serve us, but it's the quality of the question that we ask ourselves. And it's, what do I value right now? What is important to me? What serves my needs? Because we don't go into shutdown, meltdown, or burnout without our needs going unmet. That's what causes it. If our needs are unmet, if it's temporary, if it's in the moment, if it's maybe just a couple of days and then it, it leads to, you know, a, an immediate meltdown or shutdown that lasts for a couple of days. And then, of course, the hangover that comes with that yeah. and things kind of get back on track. But if your needs are consistently going met over time for a long period of time because you're not aware of what your needs are because you haven't taken the time to figure that out and to have someone help you because I had to have someone help me. I have alexithymia, so I'm not, I wasn't always identifying what the need was, but I could start picking out the signposts of what was happening in my life. And then that was helping me get to, well, what's the need that that's happening? And I love what you said about saying no. I had a, my mentor said to me several years ago, and boy, this hit me so hard. And you guys have heard me say this in the last two years on this talk show. If no one ever hears you say no, how can they honor and trust your yes? That's a good one. That gives uh, uh, a lot of thinking. <laughs> Definitely. If you spend your life always saying yes because you want to avoid the conflict or you don't want to upset anyone or you think that they won't like you or love you or value you if you say no and they've never heard you say no and all of a sudden in your life you learn that the word no is your friend. <laughs> It helps. They are no longer your friend if you say no, trust me. <laughs> What's some, she saying? No, that's not possible. We always say yes. Why did I do something wrong? And then they get really agitated because why are you so difficult? Because I choose me. I say no to you, but yes to me. <laughs> no, <laughs> they don't like that. No. And you know what? That is the most important place that you can be. And to not do it alone is even more important to have community of others who are going through that, who are setting those boundaries and saying no, that is really powerful. And I think that one of the things over the last two years since you and I have met and gotten to be friends is that we've shared and talked about a lot of the challenges, like what happens when we say no and people start responding to that but in a very good way, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think that that's so important to get into community. So if you guys are looking for a community, if you hadn't found it yet, you're in the right place. Mind Your Autistic Brain isn't just a talk show. We are also a community. Laura shared with me some really cool yoga stuff. She likes doing some things. So what's maybe like your top self-care thing you love to do, Laura? Go to the beach. That's my number one. The beach or the forest, I, I, it doesn't matter as long as it's outside. But the, the sound of the waves that are... Uh, coming to shore that's the most calming soothing sound no matter what kind of weather it is I just get so calm from that 
that's that's my number one uh yeah that's my number one thing to do oh I love that all right this is a new question I'm going to start asking guests and you're number one on this one (laughs) I love it I love it what are your top three songs you're listening to right now okay um the first one is from that's uh, actually it is in english but they're dutch uh, singers it's make it a memory and it's from uh Krasip and danny vera i just love the song if you hear the lyrics then i think you fall in love with the song uh yeah it's like he always sings kind of all spell so i i think you're gonna like it uh the second one is Anyone for you by George Ezra because I just love his voice and his voice is also kind of steamy. I don't know if that exists, but um, if people have like a, a low bass voice, I always get moved by it and touched by it, and it, it really calms me down. It's uh, such a yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe people are steamy too. I don't know. <laughs> and the last one is "It Will Be Okay" from Shawn Mendes and. Well, I'm telling this, I, I think there's a kind of a team, a team in this because, well, it's, all of them is choosing for yourself and making memories and anyone. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. You just put my mind to it. So probably going to think about it all night. <laughs> <laughs> if I figured it, it out, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I sparked it. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I'll have those. Um, I'll have a Spotify playlist of Lara's top three songs in the show notes below. So you can listen to these songs that she's mentioned here. And totally that someone's voice can absolutely be a stem. Um, there's something called sound resonance. And it's a big one for me. It's the vibration from certain tones and sounds. And they have different vibrations. So voices are like that. And um, like, I love when I was little, I would do this. I would lay my head on my dad's chest. And when he would hum or sing or talk, and it would just sort of relax me. I do it with Josh. He'll sit there. And when he talks, I like to put my ear to his chest. And I feel the vibration of the sound. So That's a really good one. I, I really love to do that when I was younger, too. Until you get older, then you don't want to listen at your dad's chest and your brother is annoying, so he falls off. But my child doesn't too. From when he was little, he always wants to listen uh, and also the heartbeat. Uh, They want to listen to the heartbeat because they like that. Yes, it's really calming. It's the rhythm. It's definitely the rhythm. Laura, thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me here. It was a real honor to finally uh, have this talk with you. Oh man, this is just, I, like I told you, I sent you the message. Look like, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I'm like, I'm giddy. I was just, I've been like bouncing. So I, this has been special for me because you're special to me. And I, I've had to work on you a little bit to get you here, but finally did. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of shy. Uh, not really it it doesn't look like I'm shy but there's like so much going on inside my you have like the the combined type HDH2 and HDHD2 so that's like a word (laughs) um and autism and it's it's sometimes the dominance changes you know and sometimes I can understand everything and comes in really quickly and otherwise 
sometimes I have to think about it. That's kind of weird. No, <laughs> but the one-on-one talks it. are my favorite, like one-on-one or three people, then it's going to go okay. But if there are more people, then I get distracted and I'm looking at the clock and I counted the tiles and stuff like that. <laughs> I know what you mean, but I am so blessed. And so thankful to have had you here today on the Mind Your Autistic Brain Talk Show. Guys, you've got to go connect with Laura. She's at Autistic Lottie, and we'll have all the links in the show notes below. Go check her out. Go follow and amazing, amazing content on her channel. Hi, and welcome to the second annual Shine a Light Autistic Advocate Campaign. I started this campaign last year because I wanted April to be ours. I wanted it to be empowered with our voices, speaking and sharing about, writing about, however it works best for us to communicate about the areas of advocacy that we are passionate about. And last year we had over 21 advocates from all different areas participate from Brian Bird, who is the founder and host of Autism Support Community, he was our winner of the first annual Shine a Light Autistic Advocate Campaign Award for his service to others. When you apply to be a participant to the Shine a Light Campaign this year, you will become eligible for this award as well. And I cannot wait to see who you are what you're doing in the world. So this year, well, let's start with last year. Last year, our topic was, and our conversation was around, what is a piece of information that you would share with someone who is just joining our community and wanting to advocate for themselves and, or maybe themselves and others. Um, so all of the advocates that participated last year uh, were either part of the live panel conversation or both, um, and contributed to the Brain Dump blog for Mind Your Autistic Brain and just wrote a short two to three paragraph, nothing major, guys. It doesn't have to be huge. It can be if you want, though. That It can be however you would like to share. Um, if you prefer to write or if you like to do both, hey, I am open to all of that. Um, but an article around the tips or the insights that they would like other people to know about beginning an advocate journey. This year, our topic is accessibility. Now, I broke, this is such a big topic, and we have so many wonderful advocates who work in this area of, of accessibility and so many different areas that I don't even know that a lot of us even think about, hey, there's accessibility barriers that we haven't maybe come against or come up against yet, and oh, wow, that's amazing to learn this information. So, don't think that just because you may be working in, you know, LGBTQIA and there might not be an area of accessibility, like super clear for you in that, although we know there's lots of those folks, you know, queer, bisexual, we all have things every day and diagnostics is one of the big ones, right? Um, so I've broken this down into like topic headers. So we can talk about accessibility in education. We can talk about accessibility in healthcare. Um, in diagnostics, in intersectional cultures and populations, um, minority populations, because accessibility is even harder. The more intersections you got happening in your life, and I think so many of us know that, 
beyond just the lived experience, we see it happening to our friends and we see it happen to our family members and we see it happening to folks in our community. And, you know, we're a just minded folk. We really are. And I don't know about you, but that really burdens me up. It really hurts my heart. It makes me angry. Um, there's been a lot happening lately um, around accessibility in my life that I've been coming up against. Um, and that's, it's, it's been like infuriating to start with. And then it's like, okay, it's made me mad. It's upset me. It's hurt me. It's frustrated me. Now, what do I want to do to try and change it or help? do something to make this not something that the person next to me has to, to have to be challenged with, that it's no longer there. And uh, if you're here, I'm hoping that is your heart too, that by coming together, by sharing our different perspectives and experiences around being autistic people in the world um, and being able to talk about accessibility, because we know that there's a ton of inaccessible things in the world for us tremendous amount of inaccessible things. And I would like to shine a light um, on this particular aspect of being autistic this month in April. And I would also like to make sure that it's our empowered voices that are sharing these insights and perspectives around accessibility, not the quote unquote experts, right? So here's the deets. April 3rd, Monday, April 3rd through Sunday, April 30th, the Shine a Light campaign will be running. Last year, we had so many entries and so many people participating. We actually ran all the way through the month of May. So we may do that again this year and that's totally okay. But officially the Shine a Light campaign is April 3rd through April 30th. The application is open today, March the 8th, all the way through March 15th. Uh, and the reason I cut the date off is the 15th is so I have time to look at everyone's application so that I can start putting those live panel uh, conversations together because we're going to have lots of time zones again, I know, um, and lots of folks saying, hey, we would love to be a part of this and I want to make sure I've got some time to orchestrate all of us together um, and those panel dates and times I'll send out things so you guys can choose what works best for you. Uh, and I'm going to try and be as accommodating as I possibly can. And that will, my flexibility will be dependent upon how many folks we have uh, sign up for this. And um, all of those final panel dates and times will be finalized and sent out on Saturday, March the 18th, so that I can pr begin promoting this um, within our community and, and across all different social media channels and sharing those things with you. So you guys can promote and share on your channels. Um, beginning on Monday, uh, the 20th of March. So below in the application, you will see a place to add your social media channels, share a little bit about what accessibility means to you, which area um, or topic area within accessibility you would like to talk about in how you would like to participate because you may go, okay, I don't want to do a live panel that really like that is too anxiety inducing for me. Maybe you'd like to record an audio clip or a video clip that you'd like for me to share in the conversation. Uh, maybe you'd like to write something and I'll have set questions for each conversation panel for the topic. So I'll have some guides there for you to make it a little easier. Cause it's like, Whoa, I got a lot to talk about. I'm not sure what I'm talking about. Um, so I'll have some things to make that easier and you can participate that way. Um, if you would like to write something as part of the, the 
brain.blog for the shine a light campaign. Um, you can also do that. You can do one of these things. You can do all of these things. You can choose mix and match whatever works best for you. It's, it's up to you. It's what you would like to do, what you have the bandwidth and, and the energy for. Um, the other way is you can also submit some artwork. I love art. I'm a huge art fan. My work here behind me is by Kenny Davis from Painting on the Spectrum. So I love to support all of our creators. So artwork, however you create it, if you have something that you're like, oh, wow, this really kind of represents and shares what accessibility means to me. And that's not through talking and that's not through writing, but it's through creation by all means, you know, photograph those things and send them in. I love that too. Um, if you have another idea or suggestion, um, something that makes sharing and participating more accessible for you, and it's it's where you feel comfortable and how you would like to participate, please let me know. I am totally open and want to support any way that works best for you because this is about all of us and however it is that we communicate and share and connect and what feels good for us. Um, that's important to me. And I want that. I want you to know that you have a place here in that. Um, any questions that you have, feel free to info, to send me an email, man, it's late in the day. I'm tongue tied. Sorry. Um, send me an email to info at mindyourautisticbrain.com. My email address is there in the beginning of the application, so you can easily find it. And the webpage is there too, if you wanna go check it out. Um, I will be highlighting and spotlighting all of the amazing advocates that participate also on the Mind Your Autistic Brain talk show. Um, so just keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, if you would also like to participate and be a guest and, and share some insights on there, I love that too. Um, if you have anything that I hadn't thought of or that I haven't mentioned, please let me know. Um, I'll, I always try and do better. Um, I, I learn as I go. I am an imperfect human. I am flawed, but I try. <laughs> I do. I really try. And I do learn and I do listen. So um, if there's something that I didn't think of and I, I didn't mention, please, and you're like, hey, Carol Jean, this would really be helpful. Maybe not just for me, but maybe some other folks, please let me know. I'm always open to those. Uh, do remember to be kind. However, uh, if you can't be nice, just don't because um, I'm a sensitive person and it does hurt my feelings. And, you know, if you can't say it nice, don't say it at all. Basically, <laughs> I mean, just saying there's always a way you can be kind. And um, I try and always be kind to other people. And I, I, I expect, and that's my healthy boundary. I expect other people to be kind in return. If you have a problem or if you have something, by all means, please let me know. But be kind when you do it, because I'll be kind back. <laughs> um, take care. And I'm so excited that you've chosen to participate. I look forward to getting to know you and more about your advocacy work and sharing the work that you're doing in the world with our community and beyond so that our voices are being empowered and accessibility in the conversation around accessibility for autistic adults and autistic children and autistic everyone, everyone is being thought of in a whole new way from our perspective. Thanks guys.